All right, let's get to the word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, reading from the uh, English Standard Version. And it reads thus. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. I want to speak to you on the subject, Winter is Coming, part three. We're getting back to that series. And I want to speak to you on the, on the title, What You Saying? What You Saying? Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power that our faith would not rest in the wisdom of Brian Greene, but in the power of God. I pray that the Lord of God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our heart be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your glory and inheritance that is in each and every one of us who, you're saying, who are your saints. And finally, I pray that you will bear witness to my speaking, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your will. And that's according to your word in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, we have some, I uh, want to place this here as our prop, and we trust that the Lord will speak to you. Now, I, the reason why we are going back to this series of Winter is Coming, because I want to remind you that hard times are coming. You may say, well, there's hard times now. Where? It's going to get rougher. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that, someone said it this way, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. In other words, to be warned before it happens is to be armed before it happens. And I believe that the God is saying uh, that winter is coming, harsh, a harsher season is coming. However, if we would learn to have faith, and trust in Jesus, we're going to come out on the other side of winter with the reward and the joy of the Lord. Amen. So uh, my job as assigned by the Lord in this season to those who are part of Pentecostal Tabernacle and also those who may be tuning in is to come alongside you and to encourage and strengthen our faith and our trust in the Lord. So our working definition for faith, the word faith is, is the Greek word pistis, and it means this, confident belief in the trustworthiness of God that does not rely on positive or material proof, positive proof or material that is physical evidence. In other words, it is a belief in God that does not depend upon confirming circumstances, that I can believe God in the midst of a storm like Paul did, I believe, in Acts chapter 27, 28. Now, when we look at the definition of faith, the Bible has its own definition of faith. Faith 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now there's three important words in this particular scripture. Number one is now. Faith is now. That's why the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Now. So faith is now. Faith is not in the future. Faith is now. And then secondly, faith is substance. And third, Faith is evidence. So those three words. But we're going to talk today about the substance of faith. See, this word substance is a Greek word, and it means foundation. Foundation. It actually comes from two uh, Greek words, hupo, which means under, and histame, which means place. So faith is the, is the foundation or the thing placed under the thing that we're hoping for. Now, our English definition of the word uh, substance, it actually comes from a Latin word, materia, from which we get our English word, material. And so faith is the building material of the thing that you're hoping for. Are you hearing me? Faith is the building material of the thing you're hoping for. See, the beautiful thing about God is that when we came to Jesus Christ, he gave us something far better than money because there's some things that money cannot buy. Money can buy, well, money can buy you good health care, but it can't buy you healing. That's a good word right there. So faith is the one thing that gets you access to operating in the economy of God's kingdom. Faith will get you peace. Faith will get you joy. Faith will give you patience. You and I need pace, faith. And the good thing is that every one of us have startup faith or Romans chapter 12, verse three says, we all have been given a measure of faith and God is expecting us to build up our faith. How do we build up our faith? Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. The more you Get in the word, in the scriptures, the more your faith will build. So you can control your own faith. If you're saying, Lord, I need more faith, get more in the word of the Lord. Now let's keep going. So I, I want to use as a case study for, for this word substance, the substance of faith, substance of things hoped for. I want to use a case study, Joshua. Last week we used as a case study, uh, Ruth. The week before, we used as a case study Naomi, and the week before that, we used as a case study Esther. Today, I want to use Joshua. Now, as you can see in this text, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, we started there, but let's go back to Joshua chapter 5 to lead to verse uh, to chapter 6. Now, in chapter 5, they are now uh, they've already crossed the Jordan. They're already now in the promised land, even though they don't own it. Are you following me so far? And as they're in the promised land, uh, Joshua, uh, uh, as they're in the promised land, the Bible says no more manna is falling because now they're able to eat of the fruit of their land. So this is what I love. This is powerful. So before they engage in their first battle, before they get their first victory, Joshua and Caleb are the only men who have been circumcised. And so what God is saying is that before you take over the land, I want every male to be circumcised, which is a sign of a covenant that God has 
with his people. And so the Bible says that God says because there's a generation, my God have mercy, that was that came out of Egypt and that went through the wilderness, but they have never been circumcised. And the Bible talks about circumcision. It says we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. In other words, God, the, the, in other words, God is saying, because the word circumcised means means to cut away, and God wants to cut away the things of the world from our hearts. God is looking for a circumcised heart, a pure heart. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Paul says that a real Jewish person is not a person who has been circumcised physically, but they've been circumcised in their heart. So what God is saying is that to the people of Israel, of course, he's not talking about a spiritual circumcision so much at this point, a natural circumcision circumcision, which leads to a spiritual circumcision. He says, today I want all the males to be circumcised. Why? Because I am going to roll away your shame. Lord have mercy. Before you can go into the place of promise, I got to take away your shame. Some of us will not go into the promises of God until you allow the Holy Spirit to circumcise us from shame. Mm. What is shame? The definition of, of, of shame, it speaks of, it speaks of uh, something that taunts you, something that, that, that humiliates you, something that, uh, that brings self-disgust. And God, and isn't it interesting? Watch this, watch this. He calls circumcision, oh, this is a good one right in here. He calls, he says, I'm going to roll away your shame. In other words, all of the men, you will be circumcised. And then watch this. It took them days to recover from the circumcision. When God is circumcising you and dealing with your heart, it may take some time to recover from the dealings of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Now, now watch this. How, because I thought about this, is that, and that is, God says, wait a minute, I'm rolling away your shame, but circumcision is a private matter. In other words, I can't look at a person on the outside and tell whether they've been circumcised or not. So my question is, well, God, how can they, how can they be ashamed of something that other people can't see. Some of you are ashamed of your upbringing and nobody even knows where you're from. Some of us have some things that are tormenting us that we are ashamed of. And today God is saying, I'm going to roll away your shame. Mm. Isn't it interesting that when God calls great men of God, the first thing they bring up is their shame. Moses, yes, I take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on is holy. Gotcha, this is Exodus chapter three. And God says, I have heard the cry of my people and I am going to send you as the answer. And the first thing Moses brings up is, I can't talk. 
I stammer. Da, 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 I, 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 I. In other words, he brings up his shame first. Let me give you another person. Gideon, yes, you are a mighty man of valor. Well, if I'm a mighty man of valor, why am I hiding out? This is Judges chapter 7. Gideon, yes, I'm going to use you to free the people from the Midianites. Look, you got the wrong person because number one, my family is the least in the whole tribe that we belong to and I am the least of my family. We are always telling God why he can't use us because of shame. But isn't it interesting that the person who should have had the most shame, who's that? Rahab. She was a prostitute and she was not, she was a non-Jew, a Gentile. When she is spoken to, the first thing she says to the spies in Judges chapter 2, verse 9, she says, she doesn't bring up her shame. She, she says, I know the Lord of heaven and earth has given you this city. In other words, my Lord have mercy. In other words, when God speaks to us, he wants us to bring up who he is as opposed to who we are. That's a good word right there. Stop bringing up your past failures and your, and your current handicaps to God. God don't want to hear that because God says the Christ is in you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, you can do all things through Christ, the anointing that strengthens you. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. Ah. So, her response, Rahab's response, is based not on who she is, but who God is. Now, I want you to hear this very closely. because So now, as after they get circumcised, Joshua, it says in Joshua chapter 5, around 13, 4, he, he is approaching Jericho so he can see Jericho. And as he sees Jericho, there's a man who isn't really an angel who has his sword drawn and Joshua, who's a mighty warrior, says, hey, are you for us or are you against us? Are you a friend or are you a foe? And the angel says, neither. I'm not on your side and I'm not on Jericho's side. Wait a minute. God, angel, are you, are you a friend or a foe? Angel, are you a Democrat or a Republican? Neither. He says, the question is not whose side am I on. The question is, whose side are you on? And if you're going to be on my side, take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on right now, Joshua, is holy ground. Joshua takes off his shoes and he bows down, which lets you know that as, he, as he's bowing down in worship, that lets you know that this is not an angel who he's in front of. This is not an angel. The, the, the theological term for 
this particular angel is called a, uh, let me make sure I get the word right, so that way, uh, this is, this is, this is, a, this is a, a theophany. Theophany or Christophany, what does that mean? It means, theophany means God appearing, or Christophany, or Christophany means Christ appearing. In other words, there are, there are times in the Old Testament where Jesus will manifest himself physically. Now, if this was a regular angel, the angel would have, would have commanded Joshua, don't bow down to worship me. But because this angel is the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Lord of hosts, he is showing up to fight the battle with, Jer with Joshua. He's, he, he's, he's accepting worship because this is Jesus who is showing up in a physical parents in the Old Testament before he comes in the New Testament. Are you following me so far? So now he, he is, he is, Joshua is now having a conversation with Jesus, who we know is the word of God, right? Are you following me? John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14, he, the word is made flesh, in the beginning was the word. So now Joshua is having a conversation with, with Jesus. Now, you got to understand this. As he's having this conversation with Jesus, at the end of verse 5, verse 6 starts out saying, now Jericho was shut up. No one can get out and no one can get in. Now, you need to understand that the Bible, when it was originally written, it is written just the way you send emails. Okay? Do you write emails? Do you send text messages? Now, when you write an email, you don't write an email and, and put chapter 1, verse 6. And then, oh, the next paragraph you put, oh, chapter 3, verse 3. No, you just write the email. This numbering system that's in the Bible was put in long after the scriptures were completed. So remove the number five and the number six and just look at this as one continual conversation. So my point is, is that in chapter six, when the, when the, when the Lord says, see, I've given, you I've given you Jericho, the city, it's the same conversation. So, here's a picture. Take off your shoes. Ground you stand on holy ground. Now, God's starting to talk to him. And he says to him, this is going to be your strategy on how to take over Jericho. And you're going to, you're going to uh, allow the priests, take seven priests, and they're going to blow trumpets. So, watch this. This is very important. Because, again, what's important is what you're seeing. I'm going to move on very quickly. So, this is it. Joshua hears the word of the Lord in verse 2. Are you with me? In verse, sorry, in verse 4, he gets his instructions from the Lord. In verse 6, Joshua tells the leaders and the priests, read, read it for yourself, what he heard from the Lord. In other words, Joshua wasn't making up stuff. He heard from the Lord, said to the priest what he heard from the Lord, and then after telling the priests and the leaders what he heard from the Lord, in, in verse 6, then in verse 8, he tells the people 
what he heard from the Lord. And so my point is, is that Joshua is not making up stuff. And my point is, is that you and I, when we are speaking a word into existence, we're not making up stuff. It's not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. We have to hear and then we speak what we hear because Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6 says, my word will I hasten to perform it. I'm saying, what you what are you saying? In other words, the point is, is that our words are creative and notice this. And so notice it that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that appreciate their tongue that never appreciate the words on their tongue shall eat the results of the tongue. Death and life are in the power, the power of the tongue. That word power is the Hebrew word yad, which means the hand. Death and life, come on, stay with me, stay with me, this is very important. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. In other words, because we're created in the image of God, and God created the heaven and the earth through his words, we have creative power through our tongues. And so God says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, meaning that the hand, yada, the hand of God won't move until you speak it. Now notice, now God, oh, God says to, Jer to, to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It is the same Word is powerful the tongue. When God gives you a word, he's expecting you to speak the word so that his yada, his hand can move. That's why the Lord says that ye, that, 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 he, sa he says, he says, I am, I am not Moses. I am not going to allow Pharaoh to let my people go unless there be a mighty hand. And so he, uh, he needed Moses in his stuttering self to release the word so that his hand could move. Could it be that God is not moving in your life because you're saying the wrong thing? God is not going to back up your negativity. He's not going to back up your complaining, but he will back up his word. My Lord. And so, final point is that words are seeds. Words are seeds. Isaiah chapter 10, 55 verse 10 talks about the word being the seed to the sower. And then 55 verse 11 says, so shall my word be, which shall go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, empty, but accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing where I sent it. When we look at the scripture in, in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it says that the word is a seed. And then one of my, uh, I won't say my favorite scriptures, but one of my most, one of the most powerful scriptures that I love is 1 Peter 1.23. It says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's why the devil is trying to keep us out of the word because he knows that if we release the word, something is going to happen. That's why I want to encourage you. We put it on YouTube, the daily confession I gave you, so that you will speak words 
that uh, will be substance of things hoped for. I get up in the morning, as often as I try to remember, and I declare the, 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 the daily confession. Uh, again, Psalm chapter 8, 118, verse 24. Today is a good day. It's a God day, for this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What am I doing? I'm establishing the fact that I'm living a day that God has made and not a day that the devil's made. Because the devil has a day planned for you. So your tongue needs to release the hand of God so he can move in your day before you engage in your day. Woo! I am, I, I, my confession, I'm blessed because I trust in the Lord. As I, and you might, even my confession, man, my confession is I am a WD-40 man. I get people unstuck. Oh, yes, that's what I declare. I get people unstuck. When people leave me, they don't end up in bondage. They don't end up messed up. They end up free. Mm. Have you noticed? That's why God Whenever he was ready to do something powerful in people's lives, he had to change their name. He had to get them to speak his identity as opposed to their former identity. Joshua was not Joshua's original name. His original name was Hoshea. Hoshea means salvation. Hoshea means help. In other words, Joshua, Hoshea, you, you, you got a lot of ability, you're going to, and, and through your ability, you deliver yourself. Through your, deliver, your ability, you help yourself. But I'm going to change your name to Joshua. And the reason why I'm going to change your way to Joshua, your name to Joshua, is because, and I need to do it in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, because you're about to spy the promised land, but what you don't know, Joshua, is that what you thought you were going to get, this is a good word, what you thought you were going to get in about two weeks, you're not going to get for another 45 years. And so I need to change your name before you because you don't know that these other 10 dudes with you are going to cause you not to go in the promised land. And so what I need to, you to understand that, that, that you are not going to deliver yourself out of this. So I'm going to change your name to Joshua so that every time people say, what's your name? My name is Joshua, which means what? My name means the Lord is a deliverer. The Lord is my helper. That's why Jesus is Joshua. Jesus' name is Joshua. Jesus is Greek. Joshua is Hebrew, and it, and it reminds us that when I call on the name of Jesus, I'm saying, Lord, deliver me. Lord, help me. And that was a powerful because on Friday, if those of you who are on the midnight prayer, if you remember, uh, Brother Mark, he, he, he led us in a prayer. It, it, was just, it was just two words, Lord, help. Lord, help. And for about five minutes, all we were crying out was, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Stop thinking you have to have fancy words for God to respond to your prayer. God looks at the heart. People are, in, are, are impressed with your words, but God looks at your heart. He changed his names. He changed Abraham to Abraham. He changed Sarah's. Sarai to Sarah. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Benoni. Who's Benoni? He changes him to Benjamin. Why? Because Benoni, right, uh, uh, Jacob's wife is about to die. Her first son is Joseph. Her second son is Benoni. As she's about to die, as she's about to die, 
they said, we got another boy, the midwives. What do you want to name him? And she names him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And thank God for Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel. Because after he died, after she died, she says, he said, no, I'm not going to allow my son to keep walking around earth saying, my name is son of sorrow. Well, why, why would you name that? Because my mother died. See, see, God is saying, stop, stop naming yourself after your circumstances. I'm depressed. I'm broke. I'll never get it together. Nobody likes me. I'm always messing up. Stop naming your life after your circumstances and take the name Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. Why? Because Psalm 60, this is a bad, I am, I am preaching better than you're responding. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence there's fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Which means that if I'm the son of the right hand, my life is pleasant. No matter what the circumstances say, I'm at his right hand. Hadassah has changed the name to Esther. Simon's name is changed to Peter. Saul's name is changed to Paul, which means Paul means small or humble. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I want to close with this. God needs us to speak his word for the thing that we're hoping for. He's going to put his word on our tongue, and we are going to re- and we are to release life. And so, I want to encourage you right now. You, you, hopefully, you'll join me in in this act of faith that's going to encourage you through winter. But you need to ask yourself, what's coming out of your mouth? What are you saying over your children? Are you describing your children? I'm preaching, honey. Are you describing your children based on their behavior? Or based on their prophetic destiny? Are you describing your children based on the grades they get? Oh, this boy is preaching here. Oh, this boy is preaching here. Are you describing your wife? your husband based on their behavior? Or have you gotten a revelation from God who's telling you, stop speaking death? Winter's coming, and trust me, he needs you to not describe the snowstorm that's coming. He needs you to say, spring is coming in the midst of the blizzard. Spring is coming. So I'm going to show this video to help you understand that God wants us to plant seeds right now that will take us through winter for the blooming of spring. Take a look at this video right now.
Hi, my name is Pashka and I'm a PT partner here. Recently when Bishop was talking about winter is coming on that theme, I thought about how I really don't love winter very much and I have this trick that helps me keep hope alive. I plant bulbs. I plant spring bulbs so that I can have a beautiful garden of flowers in the spring and it keeps me like full of hope all winter long because I get really excited about how this bulb, when I put it in the earth all winter long, um, it's doing its thing. So in the spring, I get a beautiful flower. So I'm going to quickly show you how to do this. Like over here, I have dug a bit of a hole. You want this about six inches. Put your daffodil bulb in, bring the dirt back, pat, pat, pat. And that's it. So I thought it would be so cool if I was able to like get bulbs to everyone at PT. If you would like to be a PT partner who helps me deliver these to our friends and PT family, please sign up. Um, if you would like to be a friend who helps other PT friends who um, need some physical assistance to get bulbs in the ground, please sign up for that too. Mention that. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing all these bulbs with you and for seeing them grow up in the spring. Be blessed all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can we give God a hand clap for Pasha? Hi, Pasha, my name is Pasha. is very and prophetic. And, and little did she know that this was matching up. I didn't send her my notes. She didn't know that I was preaching on words being seeds. And so this is just so prophetic. James chapter 2, verse 20 and 26 says this, faith without works is dead. And so, now this is interesting because she didn't say this, but she's, when she sent an email, this is very powerful. These are her words, one paragraph, and then we'll pray. She said, and these, and these are the bulbs, these are the seeds for the, for the uh, daffodils. They're bright and yellow. And just what she says, she says, you can plant it in the earth or in an outdoor flower pot. Because I know some of you live in, um, in apartments and there's no, there's no dirt around, there's nothing but concrete, so we get it. But this is what I, and so when she said, oh, you can paint, put it in a flower pot, I said, oh, great, you can put it in a flower pot and just put it in your yard, your, not your yard, your apartment, and that way you can watch over it. But then, <laughs> here's the next line. It needs the cold of winter to bloom in the spring. In other words, if you plant it in warm, comfortable weather, it won't bloom. God wants to use the winter season. Let me finish reading what she said. So she writes, may this serve as a literal reminder that when the winter is harsh and feels unyielding, there is still a beauty and a fresh life preparing itself under the snow, under the ground that has been hardened by cold weather. The soil to burst forth to greet us with new life in the spring.
I encourage you. I've already given a bulb to everyone in this room. I encourage you. I'm taking at least one bulb and I'm planting one of these bulbs in every one of our properties to remind myself and to remind the devil that when all hell breaks loose on November 3rd, no matter who wins, I'm going to put my faith and trust in God. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm going to encourage you to write to the church, write to the email, get one of these bulbs. And you may say, well, I have no place that I live where I can plant it. There's, some, there's going to be some places where I'm going to walk where I know, if nothing else, this needs to be planted. This is prophetic hope. Jesus was buried. And Lord have mercy, that was one of the most wintry days in mankind's life. But the spring of Easter came, resurrection morning, and he rose triumphant from the grave. It's not always going to be this way for you. I'm speaking to you teenagers. I'm speaking to your children who are saying, my goodness, this is just horrible. Being in school virtually and all the things that are against you. Let me tell you something. It's not always going to be like this. Spring is coming. You're going to bloom. And you're going to look back at winter and you're going to say, wow, you thought you were going to destroy me winter, but you made me better. You made me stronger. You made me wiser. Come on, lift your hands and bless the Lord right where you are. I'm finished now. Bless the Lord. Come on, let's praise him in faith. Let's praise him in faith. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. My greatest blessings are going to come during this winter season, during this pandemic, both racial and COVID-19. This is my greatest season. Ah, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The word says, the right hand of the Lord do valiantly. I shall not die, but live. And I'll Declare the words of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As every head is bowed and every head is closed, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is this bulb, He is this seed. He's the incorruptible seed. That if you will let Him into the soil of your heart, the full life of Christ will bloom. And as Jesus said, or as Paul quoted Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your life. Simple prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take away my sin and make me a child of God. Yes. Yes, that's all you have to say. Because Jesus died for your sin. He needs you to bite, you into, bite him into your life. If you do that, then please send your name, email, to the email address on the screen. Let us know that you received Jesus Christ so that we can help you grow in the Lord. Amen. What I want to bless you right now bless you right now.
Tell what's this a good word? I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. Winter is coming, so I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my seeds right now while the ground is soft. Don't wait till the harshness of winter, the challenges of winter. Don't don't wait till then. Stop planting the seeds now. Father, I pray right now. Put your hands out. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord give you his grace, his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his peace, his harmony, his rest, his calmness, his success, his prosperity. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. And may the Lord give you his word on your tongue so that his hand can go to work on your behalf. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Have a wonderful week and see you Friday. God bless you.